Our scripture this morning comes from Mark chapter 16. I'll be reading verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Let's pray for Pastor Mike this morning as he comes. Lord Jesus, it is on this day that we celebrate with joy your resurrection, your victory over death and the grave. Lord, today give us the joy that comes from knowing that there is nothing stronger than your love, not even death. Lord, give us the joy that comes from knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. And that although we may face trials and tribulations here in this world, Lord, we know that we will share in your glory as we unite our sufferings with yours. We pray today, Lord, that you would bless Pastor Mike as he comes to share these words. May they ring true in our ears and transform our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A couple of preparatory remarks to the sermon. You know, for years, I've been the pastor here, 14 Easter's now, for years, some of you at our more traditional service have said, could you please wear a clerical robe? No. Um, (laughs) But we finally gave in. Uh, Keith and I decided this uh, Easter to shop at pastorsuits.com, so we... uh... (laughs) Yeah. So, we have that going on. These are uh, two for 99. Um... (laughs) Mine takes a lot more material, too, um, than his. Uh, secondly, be- before I go right into the sermon, I want to say um, uh, something I tweeted yesterday, which I thought was funny. <laughs> Easter baskets are full, but the tomb's still empty. Amen? Amen? And lastly, I want to say this. No, if you're a guest and visitor, not lastly before I'm done, lastly before I start. We love you, and we're glad that you're here at Easter. We're building a bigger church to accommodate our larger uh, church size and greater fellowship area, but it is not built yet. So we have constrictions here in the hallways. So at our bigger services like Easter, I say we love you very much. We hope that you'll stick around downstairs for fellowship, but if you cannot, get out after the service. (laughs) There are more coming behind you. In the name of Jesus. (laughs) Vicki started our services today by reminding you of that ancient Christian 
greeting. So I'm going to ask you during the, ser- the sermon today, and there's many of you here, and I don't want you to get tired. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, I'm going to implore you to please do not sit on your tongues today. So I'm going to give you one rehearsal. Christ is risen. He is risen. Indeed he has. So are you prepared for Easter? Are you really prepared for Easter? T.S. Eliot wrote a long time ago this little sentence that has haunted me many times. We had the experience, but we missed the meaning. We had the experience, but missed the meaning. So this morning, Easter worship is not going to be fancy. It's not going to have a lot of bells and whistles on it. Easter worship is going to focus on one thing, the meaning of Easter alone, which is Christ is risen. Indeed, he has. And most of us have been thinking about Easter for a long time. We've arranged some travel, maybe for some friends, maybe relatives. We've done some cleaning, cooking, other things. As a matter of fact, because I'm a pastor and have a son-in-law that's a pastor, we have to celebrate what Sheldon Cooper would call priester. We, we had our big priester barbecue yesterday. So we did a lot of thinking and planning and getting ready to get all the family, all four generations of my family in the same house at the same time. And it was a wonderful thing. But you've been thinking about Easter for a long time too. There's been activities at work and school. And here in the church, uh, we had extra worship services, worship services every day and a couple on Thursday and and, and Friday. And and it's been absolutely magnificent. And I hope that you came to some of them. But now here it is. With all that preparation, here it is, Easter morning. Are we prepared? Have we really thought through Easter? You know, the world-transforming part of it. Christ is risen. risen. Indeed, he has. You know, I love the jelly beans. I love the wonderful family meal. I love the the game of hillbilly horseshoes out in the backyard. I love Easter flowers. Heck, I even like pastel colors. And, and, my responsibility this morning is singular in focus. It is to make sure that the Methodists of Marion Have the experience of Easter and do not miss the meaning. Christ is risen. risen So to guide you, to guide you towards having the experience of Easter and making sure you embrace the the meaning, I'm going to present to you for your consideration three questions the resurrection of Jesus asks. The resurrection first asks us, are you prepared to believe? Are you really prepared to believe Christ is risen? He is risen indeed. Are you prepared to believe in full awareness, in complete awareness, that faith has a mystery in it? And throughout the generations, we've called this the mystery of faith. Are you really prepared to believe when everything is not certain? When every detail is not made clear or even presented to you? You understand what Keith read is the traditional end of the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark in its traditional ending ends without an appearance of a resurrected Jesus, without a meeting of Jesus and his disciples, without the walk to Emmaus with the two unnamed disciples, without the questioning that Thomas gives to Jesus, without the reconciliation at the seashore of Peter the disciple, without a single hero emerging from Jesus' followers. Is it possible to believe in the resurrection of a dead Jesus without all of these? Is it possible to believe in the resurrection of a dead Jesus when the hostility that put Jesus on the cross has reduced all of his people to fearful silence? Is it possible 
to meet the risen Son of God while wondering how such a thing can happen? Well, I came by to tell you this morning, it is. And I proclaim it to you in the simple phrase, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And here's why we can believe in the resurrected Jesus without seeing him. First, Jesus is who he said he was. He is who he said he was. Have you, have you ever heard of a guy named Wally McKinney? Nobody shook their heads. Let me tell you. I knew Wally McKinney real well. I was his pastor for four years, late 80s, early 90s. Wally came into my office more times than a few times to tell me of the great things that he was going to accomplish in his life. Number one was, he was up there in western Colorado smashing down corn stalks in such a way that he was going to make the best plywood the world had ever seen out of corn stalks. It was completely going to bankrupt Louisiana Pacific, who had a plywood factory just down the road from us. No corn plywood in your homes yet? He also, with corn, was going to completely eradicate the need for fossil fuels by making a gasoline completely, completely made up of corn alcohol. Still haven't heard of Wally. Because none of the things he said about himself ever came true. They just weren't. The exact opposite is true of Jesus Christ. The exact opposite. Every Old Testament prophecy regarding Jesus came true. Over 350 times in the Old Testament, there were prophecies and projections about Jesus detailing the virgin birth, the rejection, the specific sufferings he went through, the humiliating death, resurrection from the dead, and the ascension to heaven before Jesus came. And during Jesus' life, everything he said about himself, every single word he said about himself came true, even regarding the rejection, the humiliation, death, and resurrection. So I can believe it. I can believe it without seeing it with my own eyes. I have not in this moment, to this moment of my life, been blessed with seeing the resurrected Jesus, and yet I believe it without seeing. I know in my heart, I know in my, my certainty of my mind and everything about my spirit, there is a single truth in Christianity that we all must cling to, and it is Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And if he had not risen from the dead, let's be honest about it, we'd never heard of him. The women would have taken their, their oils to the tomb and paid last respects, just like we might take some flowers to a grave of one that is beloved to us. The disciples would have been experiencing a tragic end to an incredible run. If he had not risen from the dead, we had never heard of him. And if he would not risen from the dead, then you're part of the biggest hoax that ever was. But I want to tell you why it's not a hoax. See, if he had not risen from the dead... These guys that started the movement that we know as Christianity did it all wrong. First, if it's a hoax, they would have started the movement a little bit farther away from where the actual events happened. I mean, the movement of Christianity starts in Jerusalem. Jesus' death is a few steps outside the holy city of Jerusalem. And they started it immediately after the events happened. Wouldn't it have been wiser for us to have forgotten a few things first? I mean, I start forgetting things back in the 19s, haven't you? If they'd have waited just a little bit longer, it would have been smarter, but they didn't. And look at the witnesses they used. Pretty sketchy people. Doubters, deniers, women. All of these things would not have been credible witnesses. 
If they were starting a hoax, why have more than one story? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and a bunch of others you may or may not have ever heard of. Why not get their story right and just have one? Why not get things together? And I'll tell you what, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, there's no way Peter the disciple who had ran like a little boy away from everything would publicly call out those who had put Jesus to death saying in Jerusalem, just at the day of Pentecost, less than a month and a half after Jesus dead, and you with the help of wicked men, he's pointing, and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to cross. That would have been the end of of Peter if Jesus had not risen from the dead. And I will tell you this, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, we would not have heard of him because men stop short of dying for a lie. I'll die for a lot of truths and so will you, but you're not going to die for a lie. And the very fact that the church exists, the existence of Christian church is why we can believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ without seeing him. Nothing could have transformed all these sad and despondent, despairing people to radiant with joy and flaming with courage. Only the fulfillment of of promises, only the resurrection could do that. Because of their stories, because of of the things they told about what they saw, more words have been written, more art has been created, more music has been composed, more buildings have been commemorated to one act, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, than any other act in human history. So even though I can't see him, Without a shadow of a doubt, I believe that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So are you prepared to believe it? Are you prepared to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the firstborn from the dead, so that we might see the truth of God's love for us? Millions before of us have. Some of them in the past years were able to do that in great ease because their country or their empire they lived in was a Christian empire. Others were under great duress. Many lost their lives at the sword, the cross, other ways. Even now, some of us receive Christ in North America. We're able to worship Christ today with relative ease. The only problem you had coming to worship today was stepping in mud puddles or finding a parking spot. Amen? (laughs) But across the world in other places, there's great difficulties. There is much duress to which, under which people are worshiping today. Not all easy. And even with the mystery of faith, all the generations that preceded us and all those that are present with us now, even without knowing all of the answers to all the questions, we believe Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So knowing what you know today, a knowledge that is flawed, clouded with mystery, ripe with questions, are you ready to believe? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Second question the resurrection asks is, are you prepared to receive? The women at the tomb were not prepared to receive. The angel tells them the resurrection and reminds them that to, to go meet the disciples because that Jesus had earlier promised that he would meet them in Galilee. And they're supposed to go tell the disciples, and they do not. Their fearful silence repeats the flight and denial of the disciples just a few days earlier. Now, we don't run from the tomb. We've seen the, we've seen the end of the story. We have pictures like that one on the front of our bulletin that shows the stone rolled away and we know the outcome. And so we look down on their flight. We're embarrassed by their denials because we know, we know Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. But you see, Mark's story ends like that. It just ends really abruptly in chapter 8 because those ordered to go and tell, the simple order, go and tell, were unprepared. They were afraid. 
and they remained silent. They had not known Jesus as teacher and friend, but had, and they had known Jesus as teacher and friend, but they had not received him as their Lord. They were completely unprepared to do so. Are you? See, so many of us see that Jesus is a figure in a book, but I want to tell you, Jesus is not a figure in a history book. He's a living presence. He may begin as a character in a book that you've read to us, that's been read to, but, but we receive him as Lord. And to receive him as Lord, we must meet him. Let me tell you a little story about a guy, a friend of mine. His name is Kiboko Kiboko. Kiboko is my district superintendent right now. But I had heard of Kiboko long before I met Kiboko. I had heard the legend of Kiboko coming from Congo and the great and deep and rich faith this man of God has. I heard it from summer games counselors. I heard it from other pastors who kept saying to me, you must meet Kiboko. So when I met Kiboko for the first time, his legend had preceded him. And I have to tell you, his reality was far more blessed than the legend. Because over the last 25 years, I've been able to say that Kiboko Kiboko is my friend. And I'm a partner in ministry with this one who speaks to God daily, maybe even moment to moment. But before I came to know him personally, he was just a figure that others told me about. Even more so for Jesus in my life. For the first couple decades of my life, Jesus was a figure that other people told me about. Until I was blessed to come into his presence and meet him face to face. His legend had preceded him. Knowledge about him had preceded him. But it was nothing like knowing him personally. When we meet Jesus Christ and receive him, he moves from character to presence and a presence that will not leave us so that you could meet him, so that he could be a presence in your life. Christ is risen. He is risen. Indeed he is. And he's not just a memory. Jesus is not just a memory. He's a presence. Our our memories fade. Even the memories of those people in our lives that are most beloved to us, most precious to us. My grandmother Morgan was a precious soul in my life. When I was a little boy, I got to get on the bus sometimes, go all the way to Spencer, Iowa and stay with her. I'd stay with her in her upstairs apartment where she had a Murphy bed. You know what that is? Where it, a Murphy bed that comes out of the closet. I'd never seen such a thing. All of our beds were already in our room, but hers came out of the closet. And it was a full bed, a real bed, and we did things that grandmas do with little boys. But I want to tell you, as much as I loved her so, she moved membership from the church, earthly, to the church eternal 50 years ago. And my memory of her voice and her face fades. Her presence in my daily decisions dulls. I can't remember much anymore. But you know, we don't need to remember Jesus. Jesus does not put that task upon us because he never leaves us. He is alive and he is with us. And he's in the world today already knowing you and wanting to meet you and wanting you to receive him and be in relationship with him so that you could be in relationship with him, so that you could know him personally, so that you would know a presence in your life that would never leave you. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And the Christian life is not a life about, uh, of a person who knows about Jesus, but the person who knows Jesus. Years ago, Ed Sullivan was, dated me first. I read this in a book. I never knew him. 
Ed Sullivan was auditioning two singers to sing Amazing Grace on television. And they both came in. One was a famous star in the New York Metropolitan Opera. The other was a lay person out of a church in South Carolina. The famous singer went up there and sang Amazing Grace, auditioning for Ed Sullivan to go on national TV. Hasn't national TV changed a little bit? And, of course, the, those that were watching applauded this great operatic singer about the fantastic way, and he sang this song. And then this little lay person goes up there, and they play the music, and he starts singing Amazing Grace. And the opera singer walked up to Ed Sullivan, put his hand on his shoulder, and said, Ed, I'm singing a song and singing it well, but that guy's singing about somebody he knows personally. God bless you. And he walked out. You see, knowing Jesus personally is what this is all about. He who knows Jesus personally, or she who knows Jesus personally, doesn't have to know about him. They can know him. And it's so that we can know him personally, so that we can be with him forever. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And he comes to you, and are you prepared to receive him? And the resurrection thirdly asks, are you prepared to become I believe our relationships are always taking us somewhere. They're never static, and if they are, they're dying, of course. But our relationships are always taking us somewhere, helping us become who we're supposed to become. About a month ago, I lost my mentor, the man I served under for five years in Colorado Springs as an associate pastor, and I will tell you, I'm a better man, a better pastor because of who he helped, he helped me become. And throughout my life, he's helped me become more and more and more of the leader that I desire to become, that I believe the Lord needs of me. And I believe sometimes that relationship is put on us. More than one time, someone's come to Keith or myself, Vicki, and said, you helped me see what I didn't see before. We're helping people become. And the Christian faith is based on becoming. The Christian faith is based on a relationship that cannot st stand still. The most precious words of the Easter gospel that Keith read just a few moments ago are the words, go and tell. If we do not perform the important task of going and telling, we do not become who God desires us to be. And the one thing that I did not put on a slide that I hope you'll all write down is this. When we do not go and tell, the resurrection is incomplete. We leave it incomplete. Incomplete. I had a couple of friends coming into Cedar Rapids a few weeks ago. And uh, they wanted to go to somewhere interesting, Cedar Rapids. So I, you know, typed out TripAdvisor to see what the most interesting restaurants in downtown Cedar Rapids were. And I found one, and in the review it said this. This is the best kept secret in town. Which makes you want to go to it, right? But if you're the owner, you're like, tell everybody. We don't want to be a secret. We have a restaurant we want people to come to. We don't want to, shh, don't go there. <clears throat> because pretty soon we won't be there. We need to tell everyone. But the best kept secret in the church world is when we fail to go and tell anyone the central truth of our faith. Christ is risen. He is risen. And if he has, then tell everyone. If he has, tell everyone. We are far from the wars that are taking the lives of Christians. We are far from the funerals in Syria held in an ever-present face of danger in packed churches this week. 
And do you understand why the churches are packed in Syria for the funerals? Of course, they're, they're, they're breathing their beloved. Of course, they have faith. But those churches are full because they want the whole world to know that no matter what becomes of us, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Listen, it's not likely that we'll die during this worship hour. Some of you might be threatening to have boredom, but make no mistake. There are, real, there are those real close to you here that have wars waging within and around them that need to be told of the Jesus you know. There are men and women, maybe even here this morning, that are contemplating divorce. A bullied young person contemplating whether or not life is worth living. A young girl who wonders whether her parents will ever hear her desperate cries for help. A man who's debating between paying his bills and playing the slots. A mom who is wrestling with the pain of discovering where her family has been on the internet. And substance abuse is destroying one very close to you right now. And heartache of some kind has come to every single home in our community, every seat in this room. And it's as a response to and an antidote for that Christ is risen. risen So tell everyone, the stone at the grave was not rolled away so that Jesus could escape, but so that we could go in, look around, see that he's not there, and tell everyone that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so tell everyone, don't hold it to yourself. Don't be the one that's heard the good news of God, that's heard the word that Christ has brought immortality and life to us, but we tell no one. Others told you, or they're waiting to today. Others told you or you wouldn't be here. None of us come to faith in a vacuum. So you may be the one. You may be the last one to talk to someone about Christ that pulls them into a relationship. Oh, I thank God every day for a man named Sterling Bolden, someone you'll never know, who though many others had talked to me about Christ before before him, he was the last one to talk to me and call me into the faith I know. Oh, how glad. Oh, how glad I am for Sterl. Might someone need to be so glad for your telling? Do not be the one who is mute of the very matter to which we have been commanded. Tell. See, the resurrection asks you, are you ready? Are you ready to believe Jesus Christ as God's son sent in love to be in relationship with you? Are you ready to receive the forgiveness and new life Jesus Christ offers you? Are you ready to become the man or woman that Jesus would have you be? Are you? Are you ready to believe? Are you ready to receive? Are you ready to become the one who goes and tells? Are you ready so that everyone who comes in contact with your life can see Christ is risen? He is risen indeed. Oh yeah.